Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So we start off today on a somber note. Um, We were sad to see the news earlier today that Columbus Blue Jackets goaltender Matisse Kivlenyak died from a fireworks accident. Um, which is terribly unfortunate, which seems like such a pitiful thing to say, but it's still true. Um, Our thoughts are with his family, friends, and team at this time, though. So, on to our question this week. I had posed the question, if you could replace an NHL award... Which one would you take away and what would you replace it with? So many to choose from. So many trophies donated by, at the time, rich white men whose names need to get off of them. Um, I propose we get rid of the Hart Memorial Trophy and just call it what it is and award the best forward award (laughs) but yeah let's in in the sake of consolidating awards by changing the heart memorial trophy to what it is voted as which is the best forward award for a player who makes playoffs just make it who was the best forward? And then in that vein, we can condense somewhere over time, maybe get rid of the Selkie, and then, you know, you, you have your your de facto heart, your Norris, and your Vesna, and call it a day. Because other, other sporting leagues where they're very specialized players, there are specifically offensive and defensive MVP awards. Mm-hmm. Golden Gloves, mm-hmm. Cy Youngs. So just call it what it is. It's just say, okay, in this team, ultimate team game, as I do a terrible hockey man impression, uh, just create the three things, and we don't have to say there's one MVP for a player that plays 30% of the game. <clears throat> Since Carey Price last one, that is. Mm. Not that we're going to talk about him or anything later. Mm. Um, I'm getting rid of the most useless trophy that there is. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, it is not the Mark Messier Leadership Award. It is not the Lady Bing. It's the President's Trophy. Ah. Uh. It's it's not even had its thirtieth birthday yet. That that shows you how stupid and useless it is. They just decided to start giving out a trophy for some reason to the to the team that won the regular season. You know, we talk about we talk about arbitrary, right? Mm-hmm. How much more? You can sit there and say, oh, it's not arbitrary. They scored the most points in the regular season. Yeah. But are they the best team? Uh, oftentimes, no. Or, or I, I, conversely, I would say oftentimes, yes, in the Stanley Cup champion, are they the best team? Well, you you know, the, they were fun to watch for two months sometimes. You have the best team for regular season and the best team for playoffs. The two don't mix. <laughs> they're not the well, same thing. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> there's no correlation to the two, right? Right. There's so, no uh, and, you know. And to your point, Patrick, unless we're going to treat the regular season with any amount of reverence. Which we seem to be getting further and further away from doing. Mm-hmm. Which means half most of these awards can go away at that point. Might as well just go with postseason awards. Which I find, you know, if they can vote for the GM of the year after the second round of the playoffs, I mean, sure, let's just make everything after the after the season's over and 
then we'll see an absolute dearth of Toronto Maple Leafs ever winning any trophies. <laughs> um, oh, I said the quiet part out loud again. Wait, they're eligible for awards that aren't the Calder? I don't. I don't even think any of the Maple Leafs have ever been eligible. No, no, no. Austin Matthews won. He got the. But, re- but it's because he was American. So, so you know, awards end up falling into two categories, right? You have the automatic awards, which are just statistics based. Art Ross, Hart, or uh, Hart to a certain degree. Hart Norris. Norris is just and Jennings. Based. Jennings. So it would be the Richard Trophy, yeah, the, the, yeah. So, et cetera and so on, President's Trophy, yada, yada, yada. Um, So I'm going to go with the obvious to put in the other obvious. Um, The Mark Messier Leadership Award's got to go. And it's got to go because what happens when Messier finally passes away you know, decades from now. Who's going to, I mean, what's the point? Right? It, it becomes the Marc Messier Award for Leadership pres- presented by Jerome Ginla. Marc Messier Memorial Leadership. Well, yeah. Memorial right. Leadership Award presented by Jerome Ginla. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that point, we're seeing probably the, the Masterton go away and this taking its place. Oh, dear God, I hope not. I hope not either, but that seems like the most likely one to go. I don't think they'll ever get rid of the Masterton. Although the Masterton is at this point is just who can we give the biggest pity party to and give an award to them for it? Mm. In at some least, respects. At least they're not hiding the fact that this award award is one hundred percent subjective and they're not hiding behind any Lawyer speak. Great. So shy away from that. I'm sorry. I forgot to say what I was going to replace the president's trophy with. Oh, oh and, go ahead. Sorry. And um, and um, um, I'm going to replace it with a swift kick to the butt because the president because the trophy for the best team at the end of the season. It's already called the Stanley Cup. <laughs> best team in playoffs. So you get to you get to hang a banner like you used to hang. Before the stupid trophy that just says league champion. That's it. Because remember, the cup and the league are two separate things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, so sorry. No, no, no. no I just make, making sure. Is, is do you have anything else to add? I've never had anything to add to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 makes you perfect because I don't think either Pat or I do. Ah, uh, that is correct. So I'm replacing the Mark Messier Memorial Leadership Award presented by uh, Jerome Ginla. <laughs> they have to be former Kamloops Blazers because if it's not Ginla, then it's got to be Shane Doan. Uh, and I'm going to insist that the Norris Trophy gets reverted back to defensive defenders, and I'm going to add an offensive defender trophy, and I'd really like to call it the Eddie Shore Trophy, but the AHL beat us to that. So I hesitate to use Bobby Orr, but we'll use that as a filler until a more suitable name can be used so um so there you go that that would be oh and bring back the lifetime achievement award because then we can give it to those guys who will never have a chance at getting into the hockey hall of fame oh no wait that is the hockey hall of fame never mind given our points of view on coaching i'm surprised none of us said the jack adams I, I had to rank my uselessness. <laughs> I and, mean, that just know. dictates, you know, st- payroll, honestly. Oh, you won the Jack Adams Award. I guess you're going to get a raise this next season. Well, it, it, congratulations. You took the team nobody expected to do anything with. Your goaltender got hot, so here's your raise. I mean, that's the progression, right? 
it, it's also it's it also includes the congratulations your GM put together a great team that you got to bench manage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like you don't. Why do we have the coaching trophy when coaches don't really coach? And let's just go ahead and just stick with the general manager of the year award. <laughs> you know, I gotta kind of do a little break tap on this one because I think they got it right this year. You know, the the fact that John Cooper's eh, never won it says a lot to me, but <laughs> the fact Not that, to Cassie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I want to see him win a Stanley Cup when there isn't COVID going on. Thank you. <laughs> Ouch. Um, well, they do play in Florida, so they're under that impression, apparently. I I, I think they need to make it like the Olympics. The GM of the year and the Jack Adams need to be like the Olympics. They only award it every four years. So you have to have a four-year like uh, um, win percentage. Have, yeah, you have to have some sort of, of of history and record over that four years to be. You know, people will be like, "Oh, he, he, you can't give it to a guy who's not coaching in the league." So how many coaches does that kick out, right? consecutively for four years yes. yeah and and you sort of get rid of the one magic season you know hot goaltender crowd <laughs> for both the gm and the coach and you sort of you know if you're the gm you sort of have to take a look at well how well have they drafted how well have they managed their payload or payroll you know how well have they massaged the long-term injured reserve so that they can you know fly over the cap in the postseason so so uh, um, so the general manager award should go to uh, the the criteria. Part of the criteria should be how many players do you still have in your organization that you drafted after four years? It is a demonstration of continued excellence at the position. So, however, you know, I'll let I'll let whomever we decide to allow to vote on this come up with their own criteria, because even when you define a criteria, they come up with their own criteria anyway. Like, oh, I don't know. Uh, how can he be the most valuable player to the team in the league if his team didn't make the playoffs? You know, that kind of arbitrary, nonsensical BS. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So no matter what criteria you place on something they'll find a way not to vote for somebody and vote for and you know vote someone else because some magic arbitrary fairy created you know criteria for them specifically to you know appoint their votes with <clears throat> or or how the uh, um trophy is the second leading scorer in the you know second forward leading scorer in the league no, it's the it's the uh, it's the center with the best face-off percentage. Um, but still has to has score. 60. Yeah, but still has to score over twenty goals a year. Yeah, I don't think it's twenty goals a year. Fifteen. Uh, I think it's you know. Uh, I think it's I think it's ice time face-off percentage and then points. Mm. Because if you got high ice time, that means you're you're obviously playing on the power play and. Or the penalty kill. And if you well take a lot of face offs, that means you're good in your own zone, right? At least since the the uh two thousand five season. Well yeah. Because could you name the last winner of the Selkie trophy prior to the lost season? And he, he's not Patrice Bergeron? <laughs> no, no, no. Wasn't it? Uh, he, at least Bergeron was drafted by that point, but no. 2004 winner of the Selkie Trophy. Wasn't it Lettinen? Close. He won in 2003. Damn. 2000. That whole season's a blank to me. That's because we lost the season after that. That's because, wait a minute, who won that year? The lightning. The lightning, yeah. <laughs> it was the lightning and the flames in the final. I remember that one specifically because our ABC affiliate cut away to show um, that the monorail had a fire during the game six. Because mm. that's how much hockey means to anybody in this country. 
So to prove Cassie's point, in 2004, the winner of the Selkie Trophy was none other than a 32-year-old Chris Draper. Draper, god dang it. Who happened, happened to score 25 goals. <laughs> Excuse me, 24 goals. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. <laughs> you are a good person. <laughs> oh. Can, can, can you can you guess what his career high for a single season of goals was? Twenty four. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Other than that, the highest he ever finished was sixth for the award. The only other, it was the only time he ever crossed twenty goals. So, best face off percentage while scoring twenty goals. Wow. He's like, my brain is like a steel trap rusted shut in 2004. Oh, you know why I said Lettinen? Because I always go back to the last the last non-center to win it. Yeah. And I think, and I always, I always associate the fact that the last non-center happened to have been the last season before we, or the season before we lost a, a year. But no, okay. <clears throat> In the history of the award, there's only been one, two, three, four. It's like seven, eight, isn't it? Eight there? seasons yeah. where the winner scored fewer than 20 goals. Two of those times it was Guy Carboneau. Two of those times it was Bob Gainey. <sighs> and hey, Ron Francis is in there once with only 11 goals. But I presume, let's see, the year, oh, 94, 95. Well, his face-off percentage was also through the roof, too, that year. Mm-hmm. Oh, he also had, you know, 59 points in 48 games. So yeah. That hey, does not hurt. No. The Bob Ganey Award for Best Defensive Forward, which completely and irrevocably morphed into the center who scores enough and is deemed to have a good face-off percentage. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think that just like with most of these trophies, especially if they're they're uh, voted on by the Professional uh, Hockey Writers Association, they typically order everything by goals, then points, and then whatever else, you know, seems appropriate. Yeah, what they can't do uh, with the Selkie, they have to not just do that. Go on, penalty you know, minutes at that point. After that, <laughs> well, it's, it, I swear to God, it's the, there's got to be face-off percentage in there somewhere because they consider that a defensive stat. You would think, but I mean, you know. Otherwise, a- how does Ryan Kessler win the award? Oh, it's because he probably finished close to second in goals with 41 that season mm-hmm. on his team, right? Yes, because yeah. that team was. Let me look at it. Was it ten? No, he he, no, he was, was tied. He yeah. was tied for first in goals. Yeah, with uh, Mr. Daniel, assist assistant to the general manager at the moment. Assistant, how do you pluralize that? By the way, is I've been trying to figure that out myself, and I haven't. Assist. Because there's more than more than one of them, which means there's more than one. Oh, it's like surgeons general instead of surgeon generals, right? Yeah, so it'd be assistants to the general to the general manager yeah. or general yeah. manager assistants. Attorneys general. Because the general manager is singular. Uh, for now. Well, currently. <laughs> Would they be generals manager or general managers? General managers, because it's the management part that matters. General is just describing it. They're not a general. Associate vice president of something, 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 something. They're just going to start making up terms to to tack on to the end of someone's name, like doctorates. Yeah, they're they're just going to start taking, they're just going to start taking corporate America titles and shoving them into like in with hockey titles and trying to make that work. 
trying to make themselves look more like a legitimate business instead of actually running more like a legitimate business, you know. Appearances are everything in the NHL. It doesn't matter what you actually do, though. <laughs> Oh, wait, I said that out loud again, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was trying to figure out which way to segue that, but there were just, you know, too many forks in the room. Pick one. Um, Oh, no, thank you. Uh, Can't do it. (laughs) The ones I'm looking at don't lead anywhere good. We need a wheel. (laughs) It's like like the... uh, what is it? The wheel of justice. No, no, no. The wheel, wheel of morality turns. Wheel of morality. Turn. Tell wheel. us the lesson that we should learn. Mm-hmm. We need a wheel of morality. And the um, NHL hey, basically, the NHL oh. bought that wheel on consignment and just slapped a sticker on it. Well, now <laughs> I was just gonna say, but that would mean that the NHL would have to have a sense of morality, and we all know that's not true. <laughs> oh boy, howdy, yeah. <laughs> This is, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let us... What's going on this do, week? <laughs> do, we, do, we, do we want to share our fondest memories of the... We're recording this on Monday, ladies and gentlemen. Or lady and gentlemen, uh, two people happen to be listening. Um, I don't want to misgender anyone, so I'll just throw them all out there. Um... Uh, as we record this Monday, we stand upon the precipice of the end of an era. And I don't know if it's up to us to determine its relevance, its emotional place in this pantheon of the game we call hockey. But we are a scant six and a half hours away from bidding adieu to the NBC Sports Networking coverage. Cass- Cassie, right now I'm searching eBay for a certain uh, item of I particular pers- interest for, for someone. Um, I, I, I personally have some NHL on NBC memorabilia that was, that was sent <laughs> to me very graciously by an absolutely fantastic, diehard New York Rangers fan who happened to be working for the NBC Sports production who was unbelievably very beneficial. <laughs> I love this woman. She was unbelievably very helpful in getting um, autographed ties for the old NHL ties um, hockey fights cancer auction from, you know, Keith Jones and <laughs> Mike Milbury um, <clears throat> from, from some of the people that were working the NBC coverage at the time. So, I, you know, to all those people, I say thank you for working within the constraints that were given to you by the upper management who obviously had no clue what they wanted to do, no, or no idea how to do what they wanted to do. So those NHL and NBC pens, I have cherished them. They're hardly used. Um, so the little plastic thing, the little plastic nib of, of ink in there is still 95% full. Um, I will be placing those on eBay. I don't have any strong sentimental value to them, but I know there are people out there, Pierre McGuire, um, who probably would. And I just, as it rides into the outdoor life sunset of hockey coverage, which because the sun is impacting the ice, they'll go ahead and just move the game over to CNBC Plus for dogs. Um, Because that's how NBC rolled. I bid you a fond adieu. Sam Flood, you... Mm. (sighs) Who? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially after reading one Eric Bischoff's comments today on Twitter. I mean, was he wrong? No. 
I, I think people are reading it wrong. I think people are reading about, you know. I, 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 I think it's a. Uh, I think it's NBC's coverage has really done it more damage than good. Mm-hmm. But that is a hell of an analogy that they are a pimple on a hamster's ass. Yes. And I think he was comparing them, you know, to a wrestling audience, which is the funniest thing in the world to me because if I were to do a Venn diagram of people that I know that are massive hockey fans, there is almost a direct overlap to them also being wrestling fans. I mean, for crying out loud, half of American Wyshynski's podcast was the two of them going deep dive on wrestling crap. Jeff used to host a wrestling podcast. Hell, even on you know Puck Soup, they get into wrestling you know there's just seems to be this massive overlap between the two so i think an average wrestling audience and hockey fan there is a bigger overlap than i think mr bischoff's actually willing to concede now is there a more fervent television audience for wrestling yeah because the unfortunate part of hockey as we've discussed is that when it comes to the stanley cup there are two people that are interested, the fans of one team or the fans of the other. And those of us who watch it that aren't a fan of either team are such a small, insignificant amount that that kills it. But you compare the people that are a fan of wrestler A versus wrestler B, those people are watching a match, but guess who else is watching? People that love wrestling. Even if they don't like the two guys, there's the biggest difference. I don't know anyone that's hate watching Montreal and Tampa. I mean, outside of Steve Dangle, but that's just because he's getting paid to. <laughs> yeah, right? you know, it's 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 funny because like it's funny you say that because I can't think of anyone who is hate watching Montreal, which would be the likely one, not necessarily Tampa so much. Um, I'm I'm hate ignoring John Cooper, but other than that. Um, but clearly Montreal is so overmatched that not even the hate pe- the people who would hate normally hate watch Montreal are bothering. You know? Because you would think, you would think because Montreal is one of those teams with Toronto to a slightly lesser extent that people love to watch fail outside of Montreal. Um, but yeah, I haven't really seen a lot of that. Yeah, I, and I don't even, you know, I think I think Toronto people are, you know, once the Leafs are out, it's they flip over to Jay's coverage. I don't even think any of them are hate-watching Montreal, mostly because I think it's entirely too painful to watch, you know, Tampa kind of manhandling Montreal after Montreal kind of did what they did to Toronto. <laughs> it's like, oh, so we wouldn't have had a chance against Tampa. That's good to know. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's that's kind of it. Hey, that could have been us getting absolutely rolled, steamrolled by Tampa. But it should have been us, you know. It's it's how do you fight that, you know, the two diametrically opposed emotions. You're like, I uh, <clears throat> the old biometrics show you when you were high and when you were low. It'd be like mm-hmm. every five minutes. I think I think Toronto fans would just be like a blue wavelength when you look at it, because that's the shortest most high frequency wavelength of all of them in the invisible spectrum, which is probably why they wear blue, right? Because it matches their biorhythms. They're high, they're low, they're high, they're low, they're high, they're low, they're high, they're low. Whereas Montreal fans are kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah, because they're red. This has been Patrick's Science Corner as it relates to (laughs) NHL uniforms. Should we be concerned about Nashville? Because they're yellow. Should, should we be concerned? I'm sorry, they're mustard, aren't they? What do they call themselves specifically? I forget what Golden it is. Goldenrod. Yeah. Goldenrod yellow. 
I'm surprised George Lucas didn't trademark that, by the way, like he did and like he did Droid. So, NBC's biggest failing was not getting a wrestling deal. <laughs> that's, that's, what I take, away, yes. that's what I take away from it. I, I think if they weren't <laughs> trying to be at least in the state, be the next CBS where everyone wears a certain jacket a la Hockey Night in Canada on broadcasts and tries to portray a certain amount of reverence and just have a little fun with stuff. You know, yes, the car auctions were cheap and paid for themselves, but hey, here's some nice little ratings gold. Yeah, you know, I found that, like, people who tried to be publicly dismissive in a ranty kind of way of another thing is usually something that they're threatened by <laughs> for whatever reason. Oh, so we're back to talking about hockey fans again. Got it. No, no, no. Well, maybe. No. But, um, <laughs> Jesus, Cassie, at me next time, okay? Just just say, you know, Patrick, this is an intervention. I know you've been working <laughs> on things in therapy like this, but... <laughs> uh, No. <laughs> just like just like comedians, some of us are a little self-deprecating, so we gotta own it. We wear it on our sleeve. We gotta admit it. Yeah. yeah. See, see, you're not, you're not like it's what you're saying is not being broadcasted across. Keep digging, Cassie. Dig up, <laughs> dig, up. <laughs> dig up, Cassie. Dig up. No, 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 no. So you dig sideways because eventually you're going to run out of hillside. You're going to run into a hillside at some point. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunately, you know, technically the Marianas Trench is a hillside. So <laughs> very deep. Anyway, <laughs> if the pressure doesn't kill you, the drowning will. <laughs> mm. Twenty-eight thousand feet. Whatever. Yeah. No, wait. It's not, is it? Well, it depends on where you come out at. You know. It's all perspective. I'm thinking Everest is 28,000 feet. Okay. I want that dog's life. The dog, um, sorry, I just, I'm, I'm staring at the window, sort of like a latchkey child or, you know, Jimmy Stewart in rear window. Um, <clears throat> and a woman just drove down the street in a convertible car with a dog who had both his front paws on the front seat, on each of the front seats, and his head just up over the window. And just with the happiest, goofy look on his face. <sighs> it's the simple things in life. Mm-hmm. So, are they going to close that long-term injury reserve loophole? No! That's the correct answer. And why? <laughs> and why is that, Mr. Pat? Tampa did how many teams a favor? Uh, 31. Hmm. <laughs> And also, um, let me see. It's not a loophole. Like, this isn't digging into the Lou Lamarillo, you know. Robita Island stuff. <laughs> yeah, this was, here are guys that couldn't play, so a good team is taking advantage of it. And their owner is paying for it. And unlike, well, well somewhat. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So, yes, there's yeah. some. They're they are paying more than they're they're paying less than what their cap numbers listed at, but more than the cap ceiling. Yes, I mean they're they they did they you know they're allowed to have a certain number of dollars on LTIR of insured contracts, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> a certain number of uninsured. You know, where the player is pers- expected to make a return. They just gamed the system. Whoopee. Yeah. I, I, I kind of went on a little bit of a, a snarky rant this morning, calling out people saying that, you know, like they're 18 or 19 or $20 million over. No, they really aren't. Two of those players are never going to play in the NHL again. Every team, not every team, there are a number of teams that have a contract like that on their books. Seven million, so this is just about seven, a little over seven million dollars 
of what people perceive Tampa being over is those two players. That's it. And the rest of it, God, this is what was funny. Nine and a half million was Kucherov. Couple million was in Stamkos. Not even a couple million. Uh, I was close to a million in Stamkos because people forget he was on LTR that season. And then there's a couple of players at the AHL level who are on LTIR, but guess what? It still counts as LTIR cap. So, <laughs> you know, they were 10 million over. The problem is that. Um... The problem is it was one player. Everyone thinks they kept that player out intentionally throughout the entire season. And he happened to come back magically for playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, and then also it's just how it's presented online. Because, like, I'm looking at Cap Friendly at the moment. And, uh, yeah, they have projected cap space, obviously, is zero for Tampa. Mm-hmm. They don't have the negative number, which is what they should have. But um, but it's that sort of thing, too, where it's... it's. But the second thing it shows is LTIR is $17 million, right? Right. Yeah. Well, no. Because, again, $7 million of that is tied up in two guys that are never going to play again. Mm-hmm. And those contracts come off the books next year, by the way. Right. Actually, yeah. The end of this season. End of season. Sorry, yeah. No, wait, no, no. You're right. Next season, end of net twenty-two. Okay. No, so they're gonna no, they're gonna they're going to start <laughs> next season automatically with seven million in LTIR again, which is going to provide them some relief. They're not stupid. It's exactly the way the system was written. So here, I mean, here's the thing with Tampa is that Julian Brisebois, who is currently the general manager. He was brought in by Steve Eiserman when Eiserman was the general manager to be his salary cap manager. Mm-hmm. And that's what Breezebois does best. And that's what he did this season. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you bring in somebody who's a salary cap specialist and you get stuff like this. Okay. I mean, anyone can do it and nobody is. It, and so, yeah. No, the, the Leafs are doing it too. If you go look at the Leafs. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, the Leafs yeah. are doing it. Yeah. St. Louis is doing it too. The Sharks. The Sharks are doing it. The Islanders are doing it. You know, Anders Lee went on because of his unfortunate injury, but you know, prior to that, they were they were butt up against it. So everyone's complaining because it was a league, a former league MVP. Excuse yeah. me, Hart Memorial Trophy winner. <laughs> <clears throat> sorry. Ugh, yes, because sorry. the Lester B. Pearson, no, the Ted Lindsay. No. <laughs> yeah, I do not remember what season they they changed it, but uh, one, he's been ridiculous this playoff. Two, he is still hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he his what was it 126 129 point season 128 point season back in 1819 what is no fluke tippet has a tendency and all, and has since cooper came became head coach to pressure injured players into playing sooner than they should huh, and that's not that's not a um a hard thing to do because players want to come back sooner than they should, right? It's it's the oh, you think you can play? Okay, then you're in, you know, kind of deal. Not questioning it, not you know. So basically, he's letting his players call, make the call when they can play, rather than being a bit more careful about it and letting the doctors determine that. And so, um. So that's probably why Kutrov came back when he did, is because Kutrov wanted to play. But he probably shouldn't have come back then. (laughs) So there's there's this real weird condition you have to be careful with when you say the the whole thing against the doctors and stuff. And I'm not just referring to the whole Jack Eichel goat rodeo. Um, Yes, there is some pressure to get doctor's clearance. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but a doctor is not going to wait until the player is at 100%. Yes. They'll wait till they're at 70 or 80%, and right. the risk of re-injury to the thing that they just spent, you know, three, four months fixing is minimal at best. Um, the only ones, obviously, who are no good at their job in doing that are the Sharks medical staff, who obviously had no idea what the hell Eric Carlson had actually been through, um, <clears throat> and continue to let him play on, on, a, on a groin that wouldn't even... No. Oh, um, but there's also the contract side of it, too. There's, I think there's clauses in standard player contracts about um, insurance and injuries and like trying to, if you, if you lie type thing, you know, if it's a, if it's type, if it's a type of injury that you can sort of fake your doctors out, like a, like a muscular type thing and you aggravate it and it's worse and you do some permanent damage, there's some insurance clauses in there that do not kick in for you as a player. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of legal wrangling around that crap they have to be careful with. So the other people that sit there and say he was fine like a month before and could have played, well, yeah, sure. So what? <laughs> you know? So what? Doctors at that point could say, no, 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 don't go back. And as the GM, are you going to pressure that doctor to say, get back sooner? Not if your salary caps. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you do what they did with freaking Patrick Kane. Let him sit. He'll get, all he's going to do is get healthier. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, Pat. I don't think he was 100% when he started. I think the injury from whatever it was um, in the playoffs is is impacting him more than anything right now. But he certainly wasn't skating like he had, you know, two two months of rigorous, you know, conditioning to get his heart rate, his footwork back up to what you would expect by November in a standard season. We're not seeing that. He's just outsmarting a yeah. lot of, you know, Montreal and Islanders players. Because I think it's been, you know, he, he flashed on the stage in round one. But I really think he's really, for lack of a better term, dug his heels in and really showed some smart playing right now. And that's, and uh, sorry, he, could be, he could be flying. If he were at quote unquote 100 percent, ignoring the rib injury from earlier in the round, he could be going a lot faster. But he's just not, and he won't get there. No, and probably until twenty the calendar year 2022. Just and won't. and it's the playoffs. <laughs> the the game is closer. It's tighter, and speed only has so much as as we've seen especially in the later rounds, speed only has so much of a benefit. It gets negated really quickly when, yeah. when you're playing that same team more than two consecutive games in a row. Yep. So, so it, it lends itself to the smart the hands and play. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're buying yourself time and space. You can allow your teammates to get open real quick. If this were him trying to come in towards the middle of the regular season, he would be struggling mightily. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Because the coverage wouldn't be nearly as tight. The game is a lot more open. It's a lot faster. And we'll, I'm not going to get into the whole officiating <laughs> yeah, crap. <laughs> but we all know if we've anybody that's watched hockey for more than five seasons knows the game is does change when the regular season ends. And him being able to know where to find soft spots on the ice, even in the playoffs, makes him more of an impact out their injury or not. Well, you have two kinds of players, right? You have the players who, when they're playing injured, try to struggle through, push through, and still try to play like they're like they used to or like they had been. And then you have the players that recognize 
their bodies have limits. They can't do what they used to do before, so they have to do something smarter, different, better, right. instead of trying to like rely on their capabilities before the injury. So, here, so here are two perfect examples for your point, Cassie. Tyler Johnson, what, two years ago? Oh, the broken wrist. With the broken wrist. And yeah. Brandon Gallagher right now, who I think is pretty much cons- confirmed it's sprained or it's broken. Because he's a 30-goal scorer talent who's not scoring goals, but he is playing in a completely different manner. He He's doing what he can do with the limited skills he has at the moment, and he's kind of repurposed himself. Or someone on the coaching staff that may or may not wear wrist guards during their playing games did. <laughs> and, and not the cameraman. <laughs> Uh, I love that you brought that up. <laughs> isn't, isn't it funny just how the, the, the team goes back home, they get their interim head coach back, and then yes, suddenly they look like a different team <clears throat> when they should have, you know, home ice matchups. And... That just that makes me wonder how much – all speculation, obviously, but how much rope did Luke have when he was running the game? Well, one, once you're in the building, you know, someone watching on TV can only do so much, and they can communicate only so much. I, ju- I just think everything was simpler in games one and two. So you're saying they looked better in games one and two than they did in three? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, funny that it happens, huh? I guess getting Christopher Plummer back behind the bench wasn't as beneficial for the Von Trapp family. And I am not, not going to let that go. I cannot stand those suits that Ducharme wears that have the um, color-blocked back part of the collar because it's just Christ- it's just Captain Von Trapp from The Sound of Music. <laughs> you know, game, game one of the series, it was 2-1 going into the third. And then the wheel kind of fell off for Montreal. Game two, just it, Montreal could not crack the code. I don't know. No, they could. They just, they just couldn't. They couldn't crack the net. I think they had the code of the Tampa Bay Lightning cracked easily. They they got past the first two layers of security, but yeah. they didn't anticipate the third. Or they just didn't have the right personnel. Okay. They didn't have a grease man. How are you going to make my code? They didn't have a scouting report? <laughs> Maybe that too. Now, Mike, you, now that you've said it, you've put it out there, my company is going to start doing three-factor authentication. Oh, no. <laughs> Just no, don't do that. Hey, what's the... Oh. God. If I have to click on images of boats and bikes in this third factor, I am going to... I'm going to turn Amish. I'm just going <laughs> to return to the land. Uh, what, I, what I wouldn't give to see you with one of those beards in the straw hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. See, you need to be going to. I need a cave. Forget about being Amish. I'm gonna go live in a cave. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's probably smarter because the um, climate control generally in a cave is a lot better, especially during mm-hmm. summer. Well, and and if there's civil unrest, no one can come at you from behind. Just saying. Well, if you share the care with a share share the cave with a bear, you've got sort of a built-in guard dog too. Yeah, bears are yeah. You, I mean, but then you have to actually like start salmon fishing and stuff, and that's not fun. <laughs> what do you mean start? No, what the hell you got the bear for? <laughs> that's that's what they do, Cassie. It was it was their cave to begin with. Okay, I'm just squatting. <laughs> You're bringing in the vegetables. You go forage for vegetables and stuff. So when the bear comes back with the salmon, he's got a little side dish. So you're providing. Getting some huckleberries for the salmon. Yeah, I really did just derail that one, didn't I? (laughs) No lingonberries, just huckleberries. Um, Huckleberries go great with salmon. Yeah, I know they do. 
the red ones, red ones are better. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome you to the chat. You say you want to listen to weird tangents? You're in the right place. <laughs> Huckleberries well, are real things. Actually, no, before we dig digress back to hockey. Um, <laughs> there's a, the, the, the logo on the Minnesota Wild is a bear. That's yes. where I was going. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sam actually had people here in Massachusetts ask, you know, I said something about Huckleberry tea, and they're like, Huckleberries are a real thing? Yes. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're pretty damn tasty, too. <laughs> East Coast elite. I know, right? So yeah, um, I think I've officially run out of even weird topics right now. Oh, I can always come up with weird topics, but they may not be hockey-related. Uh, <laughs> I can come up with all the hockey minutiae that'll put you to sleep in 15 minutes, so let's get weird. <laughs> I'm still laughing at Cassie, worried about them not being hockey-related after we just did two minutes on bears and salmon and huckleberries. <laughs> Well, you know, trying to keep on task as is, is poorly as maybe we are. <laughs> I mean, this very might be a program that comes on after the postgame report on NBCSN later tonight. You know, and it's, you know, final days. Yeah, well, it's got... So, so did they have the draft? I mean, like, when, no. when did well, they run no, out? Is no, it really no. tonight if the trail gets swept? They did have the draft, but... And I don't know whether the NHL did this on purpose or not. And if they did, freaking genius. They scheduled the draft <laughs> right around the same time the NBC was starting to ramp up on the Olympics. Uh, so NBC, yeah, so NBC <laughs> went, you know, we'd really like to do this draft thing, but we've got this Olympic coverage that's really more important to us and you know behind sam flood there's a bunch of people going oh thank god we don't have to do the nhl draft you know oh thank god <laughs> so i i don't know whether it was intentional or not but it was genius that they did it so the expansion draft and the in the and the entry draft yep are in limbo nobody's broadcasting no, this? espn has them Yep. Oh, that's their debut. Yep. Yes. So, so they're basically getting um, commercial revenue for those two events from NBC because NBC went, oh God, you know that 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 fruit cake, you know, it just looks so good. But I've had so much already for dinner. I've just, you guys go ahead. You keep that fruit cake and share it amongst yourselves. We're just going to, you know, we're going to go. We're going to go now. <laughs> and then ESPN, I think ESPN's got them both. ESPN's going to turn it into events that are actually going to be watchable. Well, the fact that hopefully, I, I don't <laughs> know if the specific crew for the expansion draft has been nailed down but they're bringing in chris fowler who's one of their lead events people like across all you know brands and sports where he's working wimbledon now and he's going to host day one of the nhl draft and he is he still doing college game day he is okay yeah that's that's mostly where i remember him from and that is I like to call that position the rodeo clown, you know, <laughs> yeah. because, because, you know, college game day, you've got like, it's not about him, right? It's yeah. not about him hosting. It's about the other guys on the panel and everyone else around him, but he uh, keeps everyone safe. Mm -hmm. Okay. I need to correct myself here. He's the cat um, herder. <laughs> Fowler will lead the, the coverage on the expansion draft. John. Oh, Bruce even better. John Bouchergross is hosting round one. Okay. Uh, so and then gonna... the NHL network gets uh, rounds two through seven. Yeah, that's no different than any other. Yeah, that's. But at least being the rodeo clown puts Bouchergross in a position to do work with talented people because. According to a press release, he's working with Elliot Friedman and Sam Constantino. Yeah. 
which is quite Friedman curious. is defecting over and over nope. to ESPN or no wait. Nope. They're doing a shared shared rights holder type thing. Okay. Well, and, I know uh, for a second there, I had to think. Wait, is he on TS or RDS or TSN? It's like no, 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 no. It's Sports. Sportsnet. No. Which, um, given the you know the random delays, and they're going to try and do you know insert your video conference software preference choice here because no one's sponsoring us or bringing us in for consulting on how to market to NHL uh, front office. Potential. Potential, yes. Again, reasonable fees. Yes. (laughs) Mr. Mr. Daly, I know you're listening. Hi. Hi, Ben. So those three will be working together and that keeps the clown right where he needs to be, either inside the tiny car or on the outskirts. So I have a not not episode-ending question, I'm sorry. But um, But it could be. It depends on when I decide to hit stop record. (laughs) So choose your words carefully. (laughs) No, this is a broadcasting question that I don't know the answer to. Sorry. Um, So... Does ESPN still own like half of TSN? Are they still like 50% rights holders on TSN? They are not that large of rights holders, but they still have a small minority share. Yeah, I think it's like in the in the 10, 10 15 percentile. I think. Okay. They own uh, apparently 30% of the CTV specialized television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of TSN's parent company under Bell Media. Okay, so it is still thirty. Okay, yeah. Yes. So and then and that includes RDS. Or is RDS yes. its own? RDS is within the TSN brand. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I knew it was, but I wasn't sure if it still was. Yeah, but that. But the funny thing is, is um. Uh. Jesus Christ, squirrel! Um, no, here the rights holder <laughs> supersedes the media fight yep. type stuff. Yes. So, um, if ESPN, if Bob, if if Uncle Bobby Margarita was still working, um, he would have to sign an independent contract with, like he did with NBC. He would still have to sign an independent contract with ESPN. But they'd be more likely to go with him than Sam and and Elliot. But because TSN is not a is not a national rights holder in Canada, they're not just going to pick up um, uh, 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 Darren Drager or Pierre LeBrun mm-hmm. um, because they got a rights holder partner that sort of has top tier talent too and. So yes, there's there's shared resource type stuff because I think um, night one is going to be simulcast. They're not going to have their own separate. So I think that's the other reason. Mm-hmm. So the first round of the draft is going to be simulcast. Um, For budget considerations. <laughs> I don't know if it's budget considerations so much as it is production, right? Because it's. Where's the draft this year? No location. Oh, virtual? They're doing it virtual yeah. again? Okay. Which is why it makes sense, because if if they were on location, say, next June in Montreal, there's going to be space and dedicated resources for both rights holders. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all three rights holders. Excuse me, all three If they they choose, type thing. Mm -hmm. Which, in the future, in the U.S., having day one on one and two through seven on the other, and you just kind of alternate that, it'd be pretty fun. I gotta be honest with you. I don't don't see a world where um, rounds two through seven are ever broadcast on anything other than the NHL network. Because that is so deep into the weeds of hockey that I don't think there's an appetite, you know, for TNT or ESPN to allocate, you know, four or five hours on a Saturday morning to that, especially that time of year. 
I, I'm just speculating. It's a, no, uh, you're absolutely right. You no, know, let's be honest. It's surprising they even. It's surprising they even go past like the first ten. But look, the top ten in the draft done. <laughs> I know? think they, I, that's a fan service. They want to. They want to make sure that all thirty-two teams, you know, they don't ever. They don't ever guess that somebody's going to trade away. Trade away all their first-round picks, but they want to service all the teams. Mm-hmm. You know, give them airtime. Give the teams a little bit of PR. You know, maybe there are those fans out there that are coming in from college. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't do it. College hockey, university hockey, or or major junior. And want to see that, you know, they're a fan of a player. They want to see where he goes, and maybe they become a fan of that team. It's that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's so. a way to put something together for day two. You're on location. Just don't recap the picks. Like, this is not the NFL draft. Yeah. Yeah. But there are things that you can do and people that you can cherry pick or feed. If you provide food at certain times of day, you'll get some great conversations out of people. You know, that's, that's a freaking great way. Especially the ones that have those mid-afternoon flights out of town on the team charter. You know? <clears throat> Give them, encourage them to stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because everyone's just shooting the breeze on the draft floor anyway. Like there needs to be people just walking around actually meet some of these other guys or sit down at a table and record some stuff that you can show two or three hours later. Do it like pit coverage, right? Yeah. Just sort of wander around the pits and hey, you know. Strike up conversations. Here's Jack Wanalachak, you know, the head scout of of the Buffalo Sabres. Jack, what's going on? I've just been fired. I'm sorry I picked a bad team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there you have it, folks. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, uh, we're not going to use that, right? Okay, good. Um, Let's just head on over here to the Boston table. Hey, oh, hey, 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 hey. Need someone with comedic timing to do (laughs) Well, (laughs) oh, God. Let Wyshynski do it. Wyshynski on one side and Kaplan on the other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, everyone would flock to Emily. Oh, heck yeah. I like how they're all flocking to her now. And Greg's like, hi, I'm still the senior. Um, <laughs> yeah, but she's breaking new. The, yeah, I don't. I don't. It's not a batman and robin comparison because that was a meme going around the other day it's very much a i don't know what it is lois and clark i was gonna i was gonna say clouseau and um kato um okay yeah no, that works but no one gets it besides us maybe two other listeners the same all two of them all two oh, of them. wait shit we've doubled our audience um <laughs> We have Oops. an audience? <laughs> and I cursed. Boop. Boop. Just replace that retroactively listener in your head. Beep. <laughs> I'm not going to take the time to find it and beep it out. I know there are people that do that in their podcast edits. And I'm just like, you guys are crazy. I don't want to listen to myself any more than I have to. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this year, day two isn't just exclusive are the nights going to be any good? And you interview four or five people that didn't get the Seattle job. <laughs> Have them. All right, here's your roster. What would you do with it? How would you play? Who's, who's the guy that's going to surprise you most? God. And then, you know, top of the hour, you just recap here, are all the picks and here's one or two surprise names that you should, you know, file away for a rainy day. Yeah. Yeah. See, that would, you would have to be choosing people that, um, when they're doing draft things, are not just picking the best available player and actually have a plan and picking for their need and picking to like actually put together a team that would work together 
instead of just picking the best available player, like I said. I'm just looking for a way to out all the frauds. <laughs> well, I thought the regular season was sufficient enough for doing that. Oh, oh! But Mark Bergevin has a contract in a drawer somewhere. <clears throat> sure. Um. Can we really trust what a guy who who has a red suit like that says, though? At least it's one color. <laughs> And it's the same suit. It's not the closet full of the same red suit. It's and not. The are we closet. sure about that? We we oh. are because there was a story last week from the tailors he works with in Montreal, and it was actually kind of interesting. Mm, okay. All right. So I'm going to steal something from someone else, and I'm going to twist it a little bit. Um, we've been talking draft and Kraken. The we are scant days away from <laughs> the expansion lists the the uh yeah the expansion list being submitted probably scant few days away from the earthquake from the sound of people's jaw or the caused by the number of people's jaws hitting the ground when they see some of the names that are going to be on the expansion list but as seattle has stated they're going to turn this into a an extravaganza so to speak and speculation has been abound as as to who would be participating in it. Seattle favorites. My question to you is: What would be the best landmark personality pairing? Because they're going to shoot it around Seattle with Seattle icons, you know, announcing the picks. So. This is this is going to test everyone who's not from here. <laughs> Cassie and I, we're going to nail it. But everyone else, there is a there is a person and a place pairing that's going to be magic in this. I want to know who you think that is. This has been the Three B Three Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Three B Three Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.